is a pretty cool little setup. So easy. Well, this is an awesome setup. It blows me away how compact and easy it is. This podcast, anyway. Right? How would you like me to uh, introduce you? Uh, let's see. Is that a good mic position? Yeah, I think it'll be pretty good. All right. I'm louder than you are, so (laughs) I'm not too worried about myself. Okay, so how do we introduce me, I guess, as AdamantMTG on Twitch? That'll be fine. Okay. I don't have to... I'm like, I don't have a VO website, so I don't have a, like... Like, Julie is, is wrapping up her demo on her website with Melissa, getting everything edited, and I'm excited that... Like, I, I have to... Like, one of the things I'm concerned about... Yeah. As far as branding is once I get to my... Um, once I get to my website and my VO career, like, spun up... Yeah. It's going to come off of the Twitch stuff. So I have to... Like, because I don't have a demo not to point anyone at. So, you know, I don't even want to really talk about being anything but Twitch right now. Until gotcha. I can expand my brand. It makes sense. Makes 100% sense. Okay, cool. <laughs> Alrighty. Clap. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another episode of the Brent Mukai podcast, voice actor, improv trainer, entertainer. Uh, welcome to another uh, episode of my Wacky Wednesdays series where I switch things up a little bit, try something new. What I wanted to try today was uh, have a guest. I've been talking about it. Um, I would like to introduce. Uh, Adam Ant MTG on Twitch. He is a Twitch streamer who plays Magic the Gathering Arena online, and uh, you're over 2,000 subscribers, or 2,000, it's not subscribers, it's followers, followers, followers. Yeah. 2,000, over 2,000 uh, followers right now. Um, and uh, uh, let's start there. Let's start with the whole Twitch thing, man. How, how, how did you get involved into the Twitch, in, in t- the Twitch <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, fifty. I'm fifty years old. How did you get? How did you get involved in Twitch? Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I got involved with Twitch because I wanted to share my game experience with my best friend, and I had the software, and it was an opportunity to get him to watch me play a game and teach him the game of Magic: The Gathering. Uh, Arena was recently in a. It was a beta at the time. And it was an open, it was a closed beta, but it was, uh, you could actually record it and Twitch stream get it. Keys yeah. And, yeah, get yeah, keys and, yeah, yeah, do all that stuff. Yeah, it wasn't closed where you couldn't have a, uh, you know, you couldn't expose it. So I got on that, and that was really it. It was about teaching my friend. Because you've been playing for how long now? Uh, I've been playing Magic, Paper Magic, for 25 years. And when you say Paper Magic, you mean the actual cards itself. Yeah, the actual card game. Yeah, that was before the internet was invented, I think. Yeah, Magic the Gathering has been around. I remember collecting yeah. those. Those yeah. were, I mean, they just are great artwork, cool card, cool looking cards. If you if you don't know what we're talking about, what Magic the Gathering is, do a quick Google search, and you'll be like, oh, I've seen those. Um, I just, you know, but you you might not know what that is. But w- what's fascinating to me is is Magic the Gathering. It it takes up so much strategy, so much thought. Like, was there a was there a was there a game that sort of got you into magic? Was, was did you did you 
enjoy like strategic type games like that or card game type things like that before you got into magic or was it just like you found it and that was it well that's super interesting because i i don't even consider myself competitive and i never was i came from dungeons and dragons second edition Mm -hmm. i was playing that for years i was playing dungeons and dragons for years but second edition was the was the version that i was really into when when i discovered magic yeah and what would happen is our group of friends we had i had our house of five guys we're all roommates and we all played D D. so it was really easy for us to get together we didn't have to travel and we had, we had everything we needed yeah and then as as life goes on and you separate from those groups of friends it's harder to get your group together it's harder to get the time figured out magic to me was the transition of a pocket version of D D because i could have a deck of cards and carry it anywhere it was. I didn't have to carry maps and pens and dice. And you dice didn't need to spend and, three hours setting it up. Right, yeah. Right. It was set up. You play at a coffee shop or play wherever you are. You just need to surface, and you put your cards out. Your opponent puts their cards out. And yeah. You can play. As far as the flavor goes, the flavor was very fantasy. It was dwarves and elves and giants and lightning bolts. So I already knew the language because I, the language was familiar with D and knew how to cast a lightning bolt. That was a great spell. So when D and D said, "Here's one red mana." three damage to target any target you're like oh i get it it's a lightning bolt i know what that does and so the the fantasy element made made magic super neat it made it fun i could build decks that i could imagine my cleric casting these spells my gotcha. wizard my wizard casting these spells i even made the, the themes you'd you'd build you'd build all dwarves in your deck because you wanted to have a theme like hey we're a dwarven you know company that lives in the mountains and what kind of what kind of spells would we use? Oh, yeah. It, so it just made it, 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 it sparked my imagination more than it sparked my competitive card game skills. It was more of an imagination experiment. It was you build a deck and you add, you name your dwarves, and you know it was super like deep. It could be like a story. It was a story. Yeah, I was trying to tell a story when I was building decks, and then that tr- that transition. When I learned that, oh, I'm trying to win this game and I'm not trying to just have fun and naming my elves. Yeah. <laughs> like it actually became a, oh, okay. It was a weird transition of life because I could tell where the fun and the storytelling was not keeping up with the competitive. Like, why would you play that card? Well, I play it because he's an elf and he has to. he's friends with the other elves. Yeah. Like, well, that's a bad card. It would be better to put the giant in. And I was like... The elves would never work with giants. Like my, you know what I mean? Yeah. Were you at the, like when magic first came out? Oh yeah. This is like, yeah. So you saw these things and you were like, wow, that's, that's cool. The artwork is eye catching. There's like lore in it, in the, it's funny. The 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 lore, the lore was at first, it was, um, kind of subtle. Like there wasn't a lot of lore intended in the game. And then people just started like me deciding like, well, if they're Lanawar elves, what's Lanawar? I want to know what that place is. Is it a forest in a fantasy world? What what kind of animals live in Lanoir? Why are they okay. Lan- why are they Lanoir elves? And that it was it was questions that you would ask, and it was it was a mystery. So they didn't they didn't come out with like a lore ahead of time. I don't believe they did. Do you think that they thought that it would evolve into what it is? Uh, I don't think they could have ever imagined how it how popular. How it, yeah, this but is... it, but it's interesting because they did have some fiction books. Uh, the the Brothers War, which is the first the first iteration of, of lore, came in Antiquities that I know of. Antiquities started putting a lot more flavor text that you'd go, what? I wonder what that's about. Like, and how far in was that? How uh, many, about how many years? Uh, maybe it's two years. I think Antiquities came in after 
So first, oh, so it was like two years in, and then they were like, let's th- release some so. fiction about this? Yeah, because the first... And, and I don't know all these dates, and I don't have all this perfect yeah, information. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. on the internet, of course. But they So Magic comes out with you know Alpha, Beta, whatever, revi- this core set of Magic. Mm-hmm. And then Arabian Nights was a fictional setting based on Arabian Nights. So it, 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 would, it brought in um, all these, you know, Whirling Dervish and... Uh, uh, I think Shahrazad is another. There's a lot of a lot of uh, magical things from that story. So you had Aladdin, you had this really cool, um, this this um, whatever whatever it's called. The the theme of it was all Arabian Nights. So did that come out like it early nineties, right mid nineties, yeah. ninety three? I think. Wow. So it's like they. Because Aladdin, the movie, the Disney movie, came oh, out. Yeah, but no, that, right around that time. It did, yeah, it's interesting. Is it possible that they were just like, "This is hot"? Maybe people like Aladdin. Maybe let's put some Aladdin shit in here. I'd have to, I'd have to look back at that's, the exact timing. But that's, <laughs> that's, but that's, a, yeah, that's genius if they thought that. That's pretty far cool. Ahead. Yeah, I don't know, but that was the first really interesting expansion. Yeah, it changed uh, the way you played Magic, and you'd bring all these cards in. Of course, you you mix those with the cards from the corset yeah and then you were able to build new decks and and uh, it was really fun um the the next set that came out they went more with i think that's when they started to realize we're going to create uh, a lore we're going to create something so they the antiquities war or antiquities highlighted the brothers war which was mishra and urza and those are names that you'll see on cards all the time you'll see a card that'll be like you know mishra's uh, urza's something or mishra's something and right. of course you go who are these guys and they were brothers and then you want to know why why are they were fighting what, what's going on what was the reason and there's some really cool there's a there's a youtube video i saw the other day which is the like the the brothers war in like you know five minutes or something and it breaks down all the like why they what the conflict was about and whatever so before this stuff even came out mm-hmm. you were you were creating the stories and crafting these stories yeah, in my imagination, but I wasn't following a particular. I wasn't, you know, following a particular lore. I was. Yeah, it, yeah, I, yeah. It's like just like anything in D anD D. You have you can create your own world, or you can use the world of Greyhawk or the Forgotten Realms. Right. You know, world. The, 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 you yeah. can create the imagination part. Were other people doing that? Did it start out with like this is a game where your imagination and story can be in it? Or was that you and you were like, and, oh, I learned slowly that... Yeah, I think it was me. I think it was me only because I was a role player and I didn't understand co- a competitive card game. I didn't understand... How old were you when you discovered Magic? Oh, jeez. Around? Uh, well, I'll get, I'd reveal my age if I if you guys want to do the math. But uh, <laughs> I, I've been doing it for 25 years and I was, yeah. not, I was not one years old. So it's been a while. It's been I I, I so did you're it. Twenty eight now. Yeah, <laughs> do the math. Twenty eight now. Go backwards. No, it it's um, I was. I'm I'm just like preteen. Were you high school age? Was no, it, I was, was elementary school age? Uh, no, I was a little bit older. I was I was uh, I was after high school. Okay, cool. So, and it, and what I did was like I said, my group was dissolving. Magic became the replacement, so I started going to card shops, and. But then I realized that my my form of magic, my fun role play, entertaining, right. interesting form of magic, was not winning me tournaments. So then what happened is I was like, I just started, I started to decide, I want to become better at this game, the game itself, mm-hmm. and I don't want to look at the card names anymore, and I don't want to look at the lore and the pictures, and I'm not playing to put this cool artwork in my deck so I can show someone, look at this. I want to play a deck 
that's competitive. And I started realizing that path was 100% divergent from the creative path because I would take my competitive deck, go back to my friends from three months prior mm-hmm. and say, hey, you want to play some magic? And they go, sure, yeah, let me pull out my old fun-filled pirate wacky deck where my pirates are having fun. And look, I've got pirates and I got pirate hats and I got parrots <laughs> be- and, I don't only- and I run boats. Right. And I run, you know, like everything has a pirate theme. And I'm like, this is my Urza's parrot right, card. Right. And I would just, cr- <laughs> I would just crush them in three turns or four turns or six turns, whatever it took, yeah. because my deck was built for speed and winning. And they're like, oh, oh, okay, I'm dead. So do you, uh, do you want to play again? I didn't even get my pirate out. I'm like, because I was gonna play my pirate, pirate captain, you know, Stanislav, and he only cost nine mana. I'm like, yeah, he sucks because he's a one-one for nine mana. I don't yeah. care that he's a pirate. I don't care that his his name is cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and it became they they looked at me like I was some sort of jerk ruining the fun of Magic now because I wasn't letting them get to turn nine, right? You know, and and seeing their board and seeing their pirate ships, you know what I mean? Like I was playing to win, and I realized competitive Magic, playing to win, playing the right cards, are completely different than playing the the fun creative storytelling cards. So it's a very different angle, and people that try to cram the both in. Yeah, it's more difficult now. They're trying to make the game more like that. Like you can pill, build a zombie deck, and only play zombie cards, and and they make that. They they're they're changing the game in the sense that they want to make uh, what's called tribal decks, which means a certain creature type synergizes with other creatures. They're they're competitive still. You can win with them, mm-hmm. and you can win and say, "Hey, I built a zombie deck." You don't have to, you know, like make. You can kind of stay on theme now. And people like that, but the top players or the competitive players, they don't care about theme. Right. You know, they want to... They're, they're just trying to crush. Yeah. They're, they're playing the best cards. So you've seen it from both sides. Right. Right. Which is pretty cool. Um, do you feel like it... I mean, it's got to feel good to win. But does that take precedence to you over, over just playing some fun stuff no. or trying some new stuff? No, for me, it's, it's about fun. Um... And you're like a social magic player. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's all about fun. The right. minute the minute that I play uh, at the level of competition that you need to play to win constantly. Yeah. Which means you take every opportunity and you never let your opponent. You know, you you never let your opponent um, take anything back. You're just you're committed. Right. And there's plenty of times in, especially in paper tournament play, online is very different because online you can't make a lot of mistakes that you would make in paper. Online, you have to click the button, and if you can't target something legally in the game, it's not going to let you target it, so you just have to continue your turn. Which is the cool part. If you're looking to get into this magical game, um, MTG Arena, Magic the Gathering Arena, check it out because it's a great place to start. If you if you own cards and never learned how to play, like kind of like me, mm-hmm. then it's a phenomenal place to start. And thank you because you gave me my key back when the yeah. beta was closed. Um, I got a little addicted, so I stopped. But <laughs> it's a fun game. Check it out. Um, sorry, I, I no, don't no. want to let you uh, continue your thought. But I, I, I think that, like... There's so much math that goes into it. Yeah. I feel like it's the difference between, like, having creative fun yeah. and it just turning into, like, I'm just seeing numbers right. and values. Right. Right. That's a, that's a really interesting way to look at it. There's the, there's that part of the game, and I think whatever people like in a game, yeah, they're going to get something out of it. If When I played uh, 
when I played Monopoly as a kid with my grandmother, when I was sitting around the table, I was excited about getting all the railroads because mm-hmm. it seemed neat to me. Right. I, want, I wanted to have... Now, that's not always the best business decision. It was about getting property. And, you know, if I was an actual real estate and understood finances and real estate, I would have been like, mm-hmm. these aren't, val- there's no high value in railroads. Let's get, get high prop- this property tax. And, you know, like I would understand business or whatever, even though it's kind of a silly thing to think Monopoly is teaching you business skills. But in a way, the, the way that you play a game kind of dictates what you, how your brain works. You know, my, my brain wanted to have fun and collect things that I thought were neat, not, I wasn't collecting things for their value or for the, you know, getting the hotels as quickly as possible. You know what I mean? Like I, I was doing other silly things in Monopoly right. as a kid. Same thing with magic. It's if you want to tell a story, you you really, it has nothing to do with the actual card game, which is exactly what you said. It's math and values. It's how powerful your creatures are, how quickly they come out onto the board. Right. The cost it costs to... Yeah. to- and cast them and right. what their abilities are and how much right. the I feel like it turns into a big matrix game or like yep. Zach Alfanakis in the, yep. Yep. the hangover like yeah. numbers are exactly. Above your, exactly that doesn't seem fun to me yeah yeah no it, it's a good point because it is like that the the game is is all math and transitions of uh, like value getting the best cards and the best players in the world are able to see the game at that point yeah they, seem the ga- they see the game at that level they don't see the game at the level of um you know, like you were saying, the the fun of the interactions of co- you know, it, it's just and what's interesting is you've scraped cool. that because you've you've yeah. also been able to see the game from that point of view. That's what gives you an interesting perspective when you play on Twitch. Like, and uh, why don't you tell everybody and explain what your what sort of where you where you lie in the hole? Because there are some people that are complete experts at magic and are you know just playing to crush people, and that's right. the fun thing for people to watch what is your angle on the whole twitch magic the gathering arena thing so i i use the knowledge that i have and all the different experiences i have but i want to make the game accessible and show people that the game has multiple facets so i never i i want to bring people into it and get them uh get them to find what interests them so if they have an interest in um you know, playing a, playing a card game, a lot of times people want to play it quick and easy. And Arena gives you the ability to sort of play casual magic more so than other sitting down at your local shop or whatever. Because you can, like I said before, you click on the on the buttons, The it's pretty easy to play when it mm-hmm. comes down to it. But what happens is then you get to a, a plateau where you're like, you're not getting any f- feedback. Mm-hmm. You're not getting anything. Um, you're, you're not learning because you're not there's no mentorship or there's no, there's only you and your opponent and you lose and you're like, Oh, okay. I lost a lot, but you don't know why or how, right. You just kept get you just keep getting crushed. Right. So what I try to do is I try to teach people the, the concepts of the game. So their, their mind is starting to realize what's happening to them in the, in the play field. What's uh, and they can kind of learn what they don't even know they're doing wrong. And I think that my stream, what I try to do is get that new player to understand the nuances and the and the values of cards and start expanding their um, their uh, ability to play the game at a higher level. So, it, but it's weird though because I'm trying to get them better at the game so they win more, but at the same time, introducing that winning isn't everything. You should still play the theme decks you like. You can make every you can make both things work. You can make you can have fun. You don't have to make it just about math. 
and about numbers, you can actually enjoy the game for what it is and build your creative decks and, and still have a high quality of play. I don't think people should play Magic and um, try to win at expense of all things. I think they should play Magic primarily to have fun and then winning is secondary and it, it's icing on the cake. Um, but you should still play... There's still cards you that are just low-value cards. Like, you don't want to cast something that's... Um, you know, they design cards to be sort of traps. They design... They can't just give you every card they print. Right. You know, the best thing ever. They need to put a variation so that way people that are new are making decisions. And what I like about the, the way that it's structured itself and the game itself is that there are comp- more competitive modes... Right. And then modes that are much more casual that you can just play for free. But if you want to skirt into really getting good at it, you can you can kind of do that if you want to devote it. But I I mean, that's just the interesting thing in general. Right. Is that once something becomes a job, does it still is it still fun? Right. That's tough. Yeah, that's a tough one. If you talk to the pros of magic that are dedicating themselves to winning decks and to play testing to find the best deck out there, uh, the the cream rises to the top, I always say. Like, the best cards are the best cards for a reason. And at the end of the day, you end up having... You have a, a deck that's out there in all the thousands of cards. You have a deck that is using the best colors and the best um, cards. And then that looks the same as the next best deck. Yeah. Like, you'll find the same deck list multiple times in tournaments. And that means one person designed that and they've and then they stop. Like, they stop... I mean, I guess there, at some point you have to to react to new changes and new decks that come out. But for the most part, it gets pretty... Um, it's interesting. It's like once the best deck is defined in the format and mm-hmm. starts winning a number of tournaments in a row, there's two choices. Run that or find something that beats it. And if the thing that beats that deck doesn't beat anything else, then you're just a spoiler. You're just trying to ruin everyone else's fun who's running that best deck. <laughs> And then you become the guy, but if you do that consistently, yeah. and then those decks have to now adapt, because those decks have to figure out a way to beat the spoiler deck, you know, and so so a couple cards change. Wow. You know, and then that's called the metagame, basically. It's always staying one step ahead of the next deck that's the best thing, and finding out wh- whether or not you're going to... People say rock, paper, scissors sometimes. Right. It's not always as simple as that. It's like rock, paper, scissors if... The rock, paper, and scissors kept getting new additions to rock, paper, right, scissors. Right. And then you somebody's throwing like yeah. string, and you're right. like, "What? <laughs> right. How do I beat yeah. that?" And it's like, "Well, right. I invented kitten, so right. now that beats right. string, and right. that, that's a yeah. lesson." And and it's like, and then at some point they take out scissors, and you can't use scissors anymore. Right. Right. Because yeah. the 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 actual competitive mm-hmm. nature of it, you you the. A whole set of cards. I mean, how many hundreds, right? Yeah, hundreds. like hundreds of cards just get eliminated out of yep. competitive play yep. every year. Uh huh. Yeah, they rotate. So yeah. it's constantly adapting, constantly evolving. It's a fascinating game to me. Um, let's talk about Twitch a little bit. What's been your experience so far on Twitch? Let's let's. Well, let's... Twi- Twitch has been mind blowing. Like I said earlier about my friend, just wanting to play for my friend. Yeah. Well, what happens on Twitch, for those of you who are just like, hey, maybe I'll do this, mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty intimidating and daunting and, and wildly exciting. So when I first got in there, I had like seven people. And I was like, who are these seven people? 
and I wanted to talk to them. So I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, electric skateboard, for an example. Yeah. And uh, and the guy never responded. And I was like, oh, he's just uh, 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 cool. It's just you don't have to say anything. You don't have to. You don't have to talk to me. Well, I found out later that it's not actually a human being. They're bots. Okay. Twitch throws in bots that give you. Uh, they just gather data. They gather information. How much you're talking. How much interaction you're having with the chat whatever whatever they do i don't really even begin to un- understand it i'm sure someone else does but the point is that they give you a couple people and it makes you feel good right a couple of names are right. on the list so it's my friend and a whole bunch of bots and then all of a sudden whatever uh people can search under different categories and they f- some people found me and they jump in and they're like oh what is this game oh cool you're teaching and I, i'm teaching my friend to play yeah so then the commentary becomes and it just kind of spirals you get a couple more people in your channel, and you have to know how to. You just talk. You you um, you know you narrate your plays. You as long as you can do that, which is the first step in Twitch. You have to be active. You have to be actively um, discussing your moves, even if there's no one watching. You know you're practicing speaking in front of the. Uh, you know speaking on the mic, and because of my voiceover training, those kind of things were fun for me because I could experiment with one reading the cards out loud on stream yeah um, narrating my plays in a way that I was you know using my voice to tell the you know to dictate what I was doing or to narrate rather not dictate but narrate what I was what I was doing and that helped people watching understand the game of magic instead of just me silently playing cards so that was it was just like 10 12 15 people and then all of a sudden, um, it was just cool. It was like it started growing kind of by itself. I just kept doing what I was doing, yeah. staying true to the, the narration and teaching the game. If someone had a question, I would instantly stop or or discuss their question on stream and make them the center of it because I believe Twitch, the most exciting thing that I get out of Twitch when I'm watching other streamers is if I interact with them yeah. and they respond, it's like validation it's connection it's uh i don't want to watch i could watch tv or i could watch and comment and then have the person on tv say that's a good point you know it, and it started with blues clues right i mean yeah even before that dora when, I, when my kid was growing up <laughs> yeah it was a fascinating interaction to watch him watch dora ask a question yeah and, and he goes and he i hear him talking to the tv and i'm like well, yeah and she's wait. All they all they do is wait. Yeah. They they pause, and that feels like a connection. You're like, hey, I was talking to uh, Blue the other day, and he told me that I could find a shovel over there, <laughs> right? And yeah. it's like my kid was hooked, and that's I think the same connection that people get with Twitch. Except with Twitch, it's actual interaction. I'm not like, what do you guys think I should do? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Press one for Blue. <laughs> right. Press two for right. Black. Right. It was just I was like, I. It's an actual interaction. So. That's where the growth and the excitement happen, and I think streamers that connect to their audience in a in a real way and give them feedback and respond and participate with them, that is where the true connection happens, and then that's where the channel grows, and that start, started happening for me, and I was blown away. Um, also, watching other streamers do a g- similar game that you play yeah. and learning learning from them what they do well what they what you know you're learning 100% of the time and regardless of what you 
So I like to go to tons of different variety streamers, tons of different magic streamers, find out what they do best, and um, take away pieces. You know, if if I think someone's doing really well with something, that I'm like, I'm gonna incorporate that in my in my stream, um, and always change and always adapt. Ultimately, pay attention to what your viewers are enjoying and do more of that. Uh, you get instant feedback as soon as I stream and I'm not feeling the energy or I'm not having a certain level of fun or maybe things are maybe I'm too internal I'm focusing on the game too much and not paying attention to chat yeah I can see how things get the momentum changes um, so I do more of what's working and less of what's not working and that's uh, I think it's awareness and openness and, and all that kind of stuff and I think that's the that's the key to my success so far is always being um, receptive to how I need to change or adapt. Right, and I believe 100% in that. Like, I mean, it's about the people that are coming in to watch. Right, right. So it's like as much as I want to just maybe, I don't know, talk about my day or play the game. Right. Is you, I don't think you can, because the whole point of Twitch, for those of you, I'm, I'm sure most of you know what Twitch is, but for those of you who don't know what Twitch is, it's like probably the newest of the social media platforms. It allows, or content creating platforms. It's like YouTube if YouTube was always live. So it's live, you can talk in real time to the person that you're watching. So it's popular for gamers who can then chat back and talk back with the people that are doing this stuff. What, what, what for you have you learned in Twitch? Have you learned, what, what do you feel like you've learned by doing this so far? Because you're six months in, um, and you've already found some very wild success for six months. Like Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's crazy how how uh, I'm I'm like blown away because the first thing I thought was the really big streamers, the really big successful people. You have you have to look at who's killing it, right? Mm -hmm. And and most of the time, people will use that as a template, as a, as an like, okay, that's what success looks like. That's what I need to pursue. I took a different turn on it because while I agree. With uh, the people that are on the top of the game right now are very dynamic, exciting, interesting personalities. They stand out. Mm -hmm. They're well spoken. They're super funny. At, at, I guess funny, or they're if they're not funny, they're uh, they do things that are that will engage you emotionally. Like you want to be part of. You want to watch them. Your your eyes are glued. What are they going to do next? Are right. they are they wild characters that are unhinged at all times? Whatever it is, you're fascinated to watch them. And, and so, because I don't consider myself a super dynamic, super exciting, like I, I don't enter a room and people turn, drop what their their conversation and go, it's him, he's here. I don't do that. I've never done that in my life. But I'm a genuine person. So what I do is I connect genuinely, and I I just everyone says be yourself, but I think that really you have to know yourself before you can be yourself. Because yeah. most of the be yourself people are trying to be someone they think everyone wants them to be. Um, so I didn't approach it like I, I never intended to go, I'm going to take this personality or this dynamic, uh, success path and I'm going to apply that to myself. Instead, I just said, I'm going to play a game that I've loved for 25 years and enjoy it. And that, that's weirdly where I'm finding success is the more genuine I am. And again, back to voiceover training and acting training and everything I've done, it, it's, you see through the acting, you see through the training and when someone is themselves, that's when they book the job. That's what, because you're you're delivering something that you can't fake. Um, 
And I know that there's a lot of people that, you know, maybe they maybe they don't uh, drink that particular drink, but they can sell it, you know, because they but they've connected their way of communicating. Right. Because they're like, well, you know, you sold that because you're a genuinely nice person and we genuinely you we genuinely believe that you like that particular drink. And and it's just a weird connection of of. uh, So I think what I've learned is to be more. Don't try to find uh success outside of yourself or excited outside of your comfort zone just be yourself and let things happen and i guess uh i don't know i think that's a huge thing i've learned and i and i don't know if at the end of the day will i ever be the top you know at the at the level of the top people but at least i can say that i'm i'm uh, absolutely loving what i do and genuinely enjoying teaching the game um are there other things in life will i eventually go variety and do other games probably i mean i don't know you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I have to believe. Oh, in I didn't it. even know that that was a that was a thought. Well, I have to believe in whatever I'm talking about. So as long as I can, if I if I have to move on to you know whatever, uh, paper mache streaming, you know if that becomes my passion, <laughs> yeah, then, then that's what I'll stream. It's it's all about what you what you p- passionately believe in. If you can transfer that. So again, back to my Dungeons and Dragons roots. If I think role playing, I mean obviously that's a big thing, right? D&D uh, recently, if you don't know, was, well, it's been purchased by Wizards of the Coast for some time. So as in the company merger of things and in, in the, the corporate scheme, uh, Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons are now like sisters. Like they're, or brother and sister, or yeah. second cousins, or kissing cousins, and whatever yeah. they are, there's a relationship. <laughs> right. And now that the relationship... They have the same dad. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. But, yeah, and that relationship... Now, ex- ex- like that's a huge thing to explore because now I have, there's even uh, podcasts. You know Ruben well enough. He's, yeah. He's a, uh, he's exploring Magic: The Gathering lore into Dungeons and Dragons, that marriage <coughs> marriage of those two things. <laughs> Max always. That's funny. If you guys know my uh, stream, this is a regular occurrence. Ma- Max likes to bark. Yeah. Uh, we've. We're we're sitting literally in your house, which you've graciously let us sit in. Uh, but uh, yeah. So so what I was saying about the the marriage. So the marriage turns all these passions together. Now people that are role playing can find their favorite uh, favorite things in magic lore. Yeah. Now incorporated. So that, so in uh, like we talked about earlier about Dungeons and Dragons, you create your own world, your fantasy world. The fact that. Magic the Gathering is constantly creating fantasy worlds. That's how they that's how they make new sets. So as a in Magic what you are is you're a planeswalker, which is sort of like another name for a wizard, but planeswalkers transcend the dimensions and they go between dimensions and they gather their power from other dimensions. So you're you're bringing in you're summoning a creature. Well that creature whatever it might be, let's say um, a Kavu a Kavu is a creature type from a very specific place in the lore of magic. What is that? Well, it's What's a Kavu. A Kavu. It, yeah, it's a it's a creature, and there's multiple creatures. There's a whole bunch of different Kavus. Flame Tongue Kavu is one that I remember playing. So what they do is they they'll invent a block of cards, yeah. a group of cards. They'll make up all these fantasy names of creature types and places from you know people from different. Towns Some and jibber cities. jabber. Yeah, kingdoms. As Mr. T might say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Right. And that kingdom or that land or that lore, that that is a place that is now created in someone's imagination, but now it lives somewhere. It lives out there, right? 
it's this imaginary place and just like comics have always done it they've done multiple you know you got bizarro superman where yeah. is he from he's from bizarro another dimension you know another and then they explore bizarro world and right. what bizarro world looks right. like right and and rick and morty they go through different dimensions and you have a different world it's like it, it's it's the idea of creating a fantasy world every single uh, science fiction and fantasy book will create a place yeah and that place exists somewhere in the imagination and the, when cards come from that place then what you end up doing is you have, so you have this this imagination train, right? That everyone then participates in that particular world, and it creates. Then then some writer will write a book about that world and explore more. It's like it blows me away how your imagination, my imagination, is always completely on fire when I discover a new place that I want to create an adventure yeah. or create a story in. And because magic and D and D have that relationship, now you can create a D and D world. That is, and I'm sure people have done this for a long time. I can't, I can't imagine someone hasn't already done right, this. Right, like homebrews. Yeah, they're like, yeah. hey, I'm going to play, but I like uh, Phyrexia. In... I like these these characters in this yep. story. Let me cra- let's me let craft yep. a story from doing almost what you were doing to begin with. Right, right, but th- th- both ways. And now that D&D is becoming so huge, yeah. people are running D&D games in in worlds that are created by magic and it's that that's just amazing to me it makes it so fun and then it takes it completely out of, out of the card game now people that want to play in that world because they're fascinated by the, the lore they're able to interact with characters and monsters and uh lands and and you know it's like it's just it, it's such right. a great it's, place to be it's incredible to i think the next step of it is going to probably be um media i i totally can foresee yeah. a world in like the for the next growth factor of wizards of the coast which is the uh creator of magic the gathering and now the owner of dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. i can foresee like a netflix series i can foresee you know what i'm saying yeah. like yeah it, yeah th- to introduce characters that then people can then right. be like oh my god it's it's they're they're reverse pokemoning it yeah yeah it's it's pretty interesting it's hard for me to imagine because you have to think of Max. You have to realize that, like, it's like the when I think of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I yeah. think of the same type of thing. I was reading comics. Sorry. It's Max. all good. It's <laughs> I, all good. I, I was reading comics. <laughs> My dog. It's fine. I'm not even going to edit it out. I like, <laughs> I like Max on the podcast. <laughs> All right, well, we can have Max. Max, come here. We'll talk to you. Obviously, you have a lot to say. Max. Right <laughs> what let, have let, you let, learned about Twitch, let Max? Me get, let me get Max a treat. I'll be right back. <laughs> cool, no problem. Yeah. All right, you're talking about Marvel Comics. Yeah, so this is just my, my view of it. Um, so the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we know, that most people know today, unless they don't go to movies... Is is a big deal, right? Or right? watch trailers, or or yeah, or have internet, or <laughs> or, or any type of human interaction yeah, at all. Yeah, <laughs> if you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it it was born of Marvel Comics, of course. Yeah, and I was reading Marvel Comics forever. The the flexibility of writers, what they have is they have this this amazing. Um, the way comics has always been is they've they create multiple dimensions and universes and concepts so that we a storyteller can take the elements the characters like i want to take spider-man and do a really uh a touching and heartwarming story about his relationship with his aunt 
and his uncle and the and the personality, you know, how he was coming to age with superpowers and understanding life and making tough decisions. Yeah. And, a, and a storyteller can do that. Or the storyteller can say, I want um, Spider-Man to be in a galactic battle of superpowers with interdimensional aliens. We're going to take him up into space, give him a suit where he can, you know, and all of a sudden someone's like, wow, that's a very different story. You're, you're doing an epic tale of, uh, you know, interdimensional powerful beings and now you have spider-man as a story a character in that story or mm -hmm. you have him in at in, in new york going to high school you know like the fact that you can do so many things and then you have to f explain that like how do you go from that you know eating dinner and having a conversation with with aunt may about you know about your life mm -hmm. and struggling with deciding on what girl to like and not and like figuring out your your life story and then you're in space and, you know, Aunt May's not there, but you're still interacting with these, you know, crazy... You're, you're defeating Galactus, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's about to eat the planet, and you're part of the, you're part of the adventure. So, anyways, so I guess it seems like a random thing to say, but it's important because when you're playing... Um, when you have a lore, you have to make it digestible, and people that have been reading comics forever probably have a lot of issues with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Like... What that does that's not true or that's not the way that you know like so you had someone had to decide these are how these characters are going to be personified in this particular uh, way yeah and a lot of true Marvel fans might not like the way that Hugh Jackman even though that's not Marvel you know there was Fox portrays but, but, yeah, Wolverine or or yeah. or a much more controversial one was uh, uh, the way Ben Affleck portrayed Batman right. Right. I mean, people get decisive. Right. So or could, divisive. Sorry, divisive. No, no, and yeah. it comes down to exactly that in magic. What happens is magic has has been around for twenty five years. People have understanding of the lore. They have a passion for it. Mm -hmm. And the more you have a fan base of passionate individuals, the harder it is for the executives or the people that are trying to make this um, like digestible to the masses. Mm -hmm. They're gonna make things that people don't like. Especially yeah. when it comes to, I mean, we saw that with Warcraft, the movie. Yep. For sure. Yep. But I think that that was more so that they didn't respect what was already laid down. Right. they didn't use the actual voice actors yep. of the the people that people yep. were so used to. Like, right. I think you have to honor it. But with a game like this, like, it's an imagination thing, right? Right. We I, yeah. I, so you're saying you don't think that it will come to pass of a Netflix series. No, because I think they're so. Um, it, it's so hard for them to make. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's twenty five years of lore building. Yeah. And creation of, and then people's own attachments to colors, and cards, that, if you don't cast Jace, perfectly. Yeah. You know, or people. Don't I don't like, think they could make it a movie because it would be too much. Right. There, there would be. I mean, you'd have to have a main character that's really your main character. Like, right. Just from a storytelling perspective, I see it as a series. I could totally see this as a series. And why not? Why not go to Netflix or Hulu or Amazon with this right idea? But wouldn't wouldn't you think? I think D and D's in the same boat. When is any successful Dungeons and Dragons? It's rough, you know. Now they're successful. But here's podcasts the and here's shows. the thing with D and D though is mm -hmm. that D and D is isn't really it is there's no lore really. To D and D, as far as I know, you well, create the well. No, there's well, there's lore if you go to the classic, you know, the 
when they created modules at first, yeah, they created you know the world of Greyhawk was uh, in all these big streamer streamers or big they usually use a a world that's already established. Yeah, like um, the Forgotten Realms is the one that you know is probably the most popular for people. So that's already a, a land. And already a, a kingdom, and but you know, I'm talking about like a character that I can see. You know what I mean? Like, there's not, yeah, like there's no like Jeff of of Frightwood or whatever. You know right. what I mean? Like, right, like that are like, oh, that's the guy. Like, there are cards that are in circulation, and there, there, there's, there's right. a lore and character, and like, I'd say that the lore of Magic is much more known because people are looking at the cards. They might take it for granted that the lore is there. Yeah, especially if you're looking at it from that mathematical yeah. numbers game right. that we're talking about. But yeah. even still, on some level, you know, there there are there are recurring characters that have that are on more than one card that I keep seeing or names that keep popping up. Right, like Tafari or whatever. Yeah, um, I, I I can I can totally see it because I feel like while sure you won't please all the fans, Harry Potter didn't please all the fans when it came out in theaters. Yeah. But man, point. was that a cash grab. Like, right. it's so right. much money, and it's... So, like, people want to see it. I think people want to. People don't want to, but they want to. Yeah, I, I think Magic is... Uh, I mean, I would be all in. Right? Of if, course. If that came out <laughs> yeah. on Netflix, if they were, like, they announced the Magic series, yeah. and it's like, watch it now. I'd yeah. binge the whole shit in one yeah. sitting. Yeah. It would be cool. I just don't know if it's... It seems a little bit like it's taking elements from everything else, like everything does. Like t- it takes dwarves and elves, so people like can can identify with what fantasy is. Yeah. Like they watch Lord of the Rings, and you get it. You know, you're like, oh, I get this movie. It's a wizard and a bunch of dudes. Yeah. I get. There's an elf there. That makes sense. I think magic is in that same genre. So you're people aren't going to go. I don't understand what's happening here. Who are these people? You're going to get it. They're creature yeah. characters we're magic f- it's sword and sorcery it's right right it's wizards and blah 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 right. and it's i mean even if it was like wizards that have to battle with these creatures and right. spells and like you know yeah. you had the you had a, a cast of characters who were who were uh uh what what is the planeswalkers yeah. who are then casting it people am i could, pitching this to you netflix is this yeah people would jump in i think they'd understand it yeah. and as long as you as long as you made those characters interesting and like any story writer you have a whole cast of characters yeah interacting with each other and people have already done that with the books i don't know if there's any particular books that would transition into a screenplay you know i i would guarantee that over the 25 years there have been there are screenplays on people's desks or in trash cans somewhere on or hidden away in a filing cabinet yeah or do they do that filing cabinets anymore or is it a disc probably <laughs> hollywood <laughs> seems old enough that they'd be like just put it in the filing cabinet just smoking a cigar so if they if they open that dusty file cabinet and go hey look at this screenplay magic the gathering uh let's try this this was written in 2001 it's probably brilliant we're probably already we're talking about what what someone already has done Pro- there's you probably know? people who have done it but yeah. I feel like now, especially with them acquiring Dungeons and Dragons, I I see it. I totally see it. it's about to, it's about to be huge because with the with the Magic the Gathering online, like a re- or Magic the Gathering Arena, they're making it accessible to everyone. Right. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. And it's a great game. And I mean, they have twenty five years of playtesting. The game's not going anywhere. People obviously right. enjoy it. It's an enjoyable game. And now that it's accessible, right. it's about to blow up. It's gonna it's gonna be like Five Nights at Freddy's almost. Where yeah, like I would, I would love that. Right. The game is and the game is uh that's and that's exactly 
back to the point of what I what I do is I want to introduce people into the, the the different aspects of playing because when you play and you're only getting you're only losing yeah and you're not understanding that it's not about winning and losing it's about the this incredible story that's unfolding mm-hmm. in the cards even if you put your deck away your mind will start talking thinking you know like let me let me explore more of who Teferi is. Where did he get his power? You know, like you want to know more about the the characters. Exactly, and and that engages and so giving you. that yeah. and giving it like a show would be. Oh, I just yeah, man. The game is bigger than just a game. It is. Yeah. It's and it's it's become that way and it's earned that right. Like, I mean, it 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 really is. I I see it, man. And you're gonna be at the center of all of that. Like, well, I, I hope to be. I'm. You're I'm, gonna be I'm, one of the guys. I can see, dude. I'm telling you, man. I love the fact that I'm exposing new players and hopefully giving them the right. Like, I don't. I don't want people to just be down on the. Oh, I lost five in a row. Right. I lose five in a row constantly on my stream. Right. Tw- playing for 25 years, and showing that. Like, how do you, how do you t- teach someone the value of losing? It's such an important life lesson, right? But. And it seems silly, like the value of losing. What does that mean? It means that winning, losing isn't everything. Enjoying the game. I've played the game for twenty five years, and I and if I if I were to count all my wins and losses, right, probably wouldn't be. I don't know what it would be because I don't care. I feel like it would probably wash out. It might wash out. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like I'm like at the point where right now the next game is the is the tipping point. It's 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 the value of losing is learning how to lose and yeah. move forward right. past it. It's right. like what's the saying the. The difference between the master and the the novice is that the master's failed more than the novice has tried. <laughs> right, right. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, that's awesome. No, that's perfect. Like you've lost more games at this point than than most people are even willing to just go and try and play. Right. When I when I have my uh, my little uh, whatever the button is coming into the stream, it's always twenty five years of experience, and I can't tell you how many people are like, I wasn't alive. 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, especially if they're on Twitch. It's a younger person's <laughs> right, right. platform. And I think it's awesome because the experience I have isn't about me being... Like, someone says, oh, you've been doing something for 25 years. You're now an expert. You're a master. Um, for me, exactly like you said, mastery is about every every experience I have is always a good experience. Right. It's, it's fun. The game is exciting and interesting. Win or lose, it's great. And I think that is what makes... Um, that's what makes me love the game is that I've never it's super challenging and I've said this before on my stream before but if you've ever used a cheat code in a game mm-hmm. and how quickly it, it bums you out mm-hmm. if you've ever like you're excited at first I don't when I played uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto and I got a jetpack because I had a cheat code to get a whole bunch of money right and I was flying around the city and ultimate web it's like it, it became that whole game building up to that point I was having a good time engaged in the game and then I got a cheat code and then I never wanted to play again right because it was only about an hour in and i was like i'm bored nothing nothing is challenging anymore nothing is interesting right it's the challenge that makes the winning actually feel like winning right so magic is like that it's so difficult it's such a high and your opponents are doing everything they can to win the game right so it makes the game the ultimate challenge where i can play over and over and over and correct me if i'm wrong you told me a statistic that i found very interesting which was that even the best deck in the world Mm-hmm. Is only going to win about sixty percent of the time. Yep, yep. That's about that's the, the approximate math is right there. Not just the best deck, the best deck in the hands of the best player. The best deck in the hands of the best player. Yep. They they don't win every time. 
You can't. Yeah. You, it's because it's a drawing game. You have to draw cards. Right. So statistically, you're going to draw really, really bad. Yeah. At some point, and the right. game's almost designed. Right. To be th- that, at no point can you win every single game. Right. Like. Dude. So yeah. So the skill involved to, to, in order to make every single play correctly, and not just every single play in that moment. But over the course of the game, because sometimes what you do on turn two or three or four yeah. affects what's happening on turn seven, eight, and nine. And when you have the capacity to watch your play unfold and then rewind mentally back and know that, well, if I didn't do that here, I would have had that spell. You know, like it's a lot of choices. You're constantly learning. In hindsight, you'll go, but when you're so good at it, hindsight becomes like you're already setting up just like a chess master does, right? They set up their moves. Mm-hmm. Nine nine moves ahead. They adapt to what your the opponent's doing, but for the most part, their 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 game plan is is strategizing early plays to set up later moves. Yeah, it's it's wild. the most interesting part when I watch you play is that you will oftentimes be able to just call out what the other person has, and it's that's not a skill that you can like develop just overnight like when i watch you play because i've I've, i jump on your streams whenever i get a a chance or an opportunity what's most interesting to me is that i see the the like you you talk about how you're you're quite humble and you talk about like oh yeah i've lost i've done that but god man do you know what the fuck you're talking about because so many times you'll be playing and you'll be like Mm, I have this instinct that he might have this. Oh well, and then, and then it comes true, and I'm yeah. sitting there like, "How the fuck yeah. is that possible?" Yeah, like yeah. you, you. But it, it comes from years of experience and your right. your understanding of what the other person's strategy might be like. Right, right. That's a big part of magic. It's not there's another side to the board, and what your opponent's doing, you have to respond and interact with them, and that's where magic is different from other games where you're only concerned about your side of the field yeah in magic you have to be concerned about the timing of the other player how they're going to cast their spells what mana they have available what colors they're playing which will indicate to you what they possibly might have and it's actually an interesting uh conversation to be had about the pro decks because we talked earlier about like the the top decks in the world yeah or the pro tour players or whatever you want to call them they are running a pretty a pretty small selection of decks what so you already so when that happens you I already know what to expect when I see a certain card or color combination I can instantly go they're probably playing a deck that's already known yeah and then because I'm a student of the game I already know what that deck list has in it I already know what their weapons are their their win conditions yeah all the things what throws you sometimes is people that are like not following the norm that come in with it's it's almost like does a how does a real basketball team play against the Harlem Globetrotters? It's like whoa, you know what I mean? Like who are these guys? <laughs> so these people are take their decks are are created with uh, uh, a lot of yeah pants pulling down and people standing <laughs> on each other's shoulders. Right, right. You're like, <laughs> and you're like, hey, you can't do that. No one plays that card. Right. No one does that in basketball. And but that what, exists in magic. Right, it exists in magic. And if someone can pl- pull it off, yeah, and it's win, even cooler. It's it's really cool. To, and so people they call that jank in the community of magic. Jank? jank is like, what are you what are you playing that card for? No one, you don't do that. That's, that's how I describe like a CC's pizza. That's, 
<laughs> so sorry. I love CCs. Anyways. But yeah, so people run jank in order to kind of throw everyone off. Like, yeah. They, no one expects that. No one plays that card. No one does that. What are you doing? Oh my gosh, you beat me. I hate you. And it brings up all this like, oh, I got beat by jank. And it and it and people that watch jank yeah. get excited. Then when it works, they're like, yeah, jank is the best. Because it gives, it's almost like this feeling of we don't want to, we don't want to play the same five decks that are the best cards in the game. Yeah. We want to play the game to have fun, and if we can play Jank and beat one of those best five decks, it's a really rewarding, interesting, exciting place to be. It sounds like regardless, you got like a 40% chance. <laughs> right, and then you have, yeah, yeah, Jank is not intended to win. Is he, so you pl- And you play Jank. Yeah, it's a blast. That is that is a part of the fun of watching you play, too, is that you'll just, you'll just throw it to Chet and be like, hmm, what should I do here? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. You'll be crafting decks, yeah. doing yeah. things like that. But that's the fun of it. It's the creative portion of it. And I think that's right. why here, I mean, dude, I'm, I'm saying this right now on the podcast, not just because I think it's true, but because I also believe that this will happen. And then I will be able to pull the audio <laughs> from this and be like, look what the fuck I said. I'm a fortune teller. I believe that because of... The open beta, you just had your a, a record over 400 people last night yeah. watching live. Yeah. 400. That's 800 eyeballs. It blew me away. Attuned yeah. to Adam Ant MTG. Go follow him right now if you like magic or you want to learn about magic. But 400 people. Yeah. And it, that's, I mean, how, it's been a couple weeks since it got open, right? The, yeah. The, Yep. thing got open and that's that's a testament to you and your consistency with it because you've stayed very consistent and put yep. out solid content and you're very good at what you do but thank you all of it you're welcome it's when this thing goes live mm-hmm. when it's not beta anymore and it right. goes live right they're gonna be so and they're pushing it like they're gonna be so many more people that are wanting to get into the game right that are going to not give a shit. The the so the roles are gonna switch. Like right. the niche, your niche right now. Right. Because the people who like magic are are like uh, uh, they they the people who like magic are the ones who pl- are playing the game. Right. There's not a lot of new new players to it. Right. So in the in the community right now, your niche it's gonna flip flop because the numbers are gonna get inverse, and there are gonna be so many more people that are new trying it. To, to the small fraction of people that have been playing it for a long time and right. really know what's going on, like those people are going to be niche. And you're, I'm telling you, man, you're going to explode. It's yeah. What, what do you think? What do you think magic has to offer us in terms of of life lessons or oh or perspective? What that, do you feel? That is super deep, and I've talked about it on my stream, of course. And you've talked about it with. We've had conversations right. about it, so I I, so, I would love for, okay for the listeners who are like. My kid likes magic or whatever. Right. Should I let them play? What has magic taught you, life-wise? Okay. So this is the this is the weird thing. Even in gaming in general, yeah, has this uh, this magic about about gaming in general. But I'll focus on magic itself, Magic the Gathering, and then I'll give a bigger bigger picture perspective of, ga- of gaming. So number one, what magic does, it's a skill that I see in my professional life, constantly being. Um, it, it's just not, it's just not part of our culture anymore, and that is reading comprehension. It might seem really ridiculous, but when you read instructions mm-hmm. on how to build a tent, it give, if the instructions are written well, 
if someone cares about teaching you how to build a tent, mm -hmm. you will open the instructions, you'll read step by step, and you'll build it, and you'll be you're like, okay, that was easy. Right. The the regular way people think is, oh yeah, I got a tent, got some pieces. You throw the directions, you start building it because it makes you you get you you get it. You know how to build a tent, and then you're you're like, what is this stick for? And what is this? I don't know. What is, what is, why do they give me this? Right. And it collapses. And you're like, what's happening? Because you're not paying attention to the well-written directions. So magic gives you, and the other thing about, you know, you replace words yeah. real, real simple to, to insert. You have those sentences you've seen with gibberish in between mm -hmm. them and your brain just goes, yep, I get it. Cause I already know, I already know what they're trying you're to say. You're looking too far ahead. Yeah. And, and you kind of get it. Right. But with magic cards, There'll be a card, and you'll read it, and you'll go, yeah, yeah, makes sense. And then you'll read it again and go, oh, that word said but, or and, or or, or may. The word may is different than must. Well, who who knew that, right? <laughs> like, obviously, may is, but... Yes, but no, magic, I see where you're going with this. But suddenly you're like, oh, no, that doesn't work that way. Magic players that are good, yeah, read a card and get it. Yeah, because they're focusing on every single word, the punctuation. It seems silly. So what it offers is the ability to focus and retain written material. How many people? I see emails exchanged between corporate executives, and one person will say something, the other person will assume something totally different. The the information is they're they're confused. Mm -hmm. They're not on the same page. Suddenly, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect, and suddenly the project falls through the the cracks because someone didn't. Well, I thought you were going to do that. It wasn't communicated correctly. I said right there on my email it was. So, like that, and alone. it makes you a better communicator because you're paying more attention to the way that you are wording right. things to be the clearest that you can be. Right. So magic, as silly as it sounds, improves your life because you can build tents and you can you can respond properly to your the corporate email. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it it's a life skill. It's weird how it it transcends this card game with an elf and a dwarf and it becomes a a lesson of focusing your brain on so if you're teaching little kids how to play magic yeah they're going to go into their corporate lives or their whatever they're doing and or even school and they're going to go like i mean how many times has my son come in and told me my english teacher said to do this i don't understand and i'm like what, what do you not understand let me see the paper they gave you and i look at it and i go it says right here three things to do what don't you understand about that and he goes i don't i don't know <laughs> like it's it's it comes down to right. re read the card. There's <laughs> reading and then there's reading comprehension. Right, right. Read the card. It tells you exactly what the card does. That's... You know, no one should be like I don't know how that card works. That's a lot of words. In a card, you can only have so many words. Anyone who looks at a card and I've done yep. it too. I've looked at a card and go, "Wow, that's a lot of words." And I've like I don't want to read that and understand how it works. Yeah. But that's how you play magic. That's how you get better. So, life skill number 1, reading comprehension. It's it's it trains you to communicate better. It's astounding how, what a great tool it is, um, to teach that simple thing that people just don't focus on. Who who wakes up every day and says, "I'm going to be a better listener and I want to I want to understand and be a better communicator." We all live in our own worlds. Our brains are already kind of wired a certain way. Mm -hmm. Someone talks to us, we're like, "Yep." Like you assume a lot of things that are coming in. You're not really going, "Okay, hold on. What did you say? What would you like me to do?" interact in a conversation um of course verbally but i'm saying like you know written conversations or written instructions um right and that is so much more important now that we live in a world of text yeah now yeah. that we're living we're swimming in yeah. communication being mostly text-based now right
So, so yeah, so so that's my take on what magic offers. That's the very big basics. Uh, of course, mathematics, you know, adding and subtracting life totals, I guess, and creature numbers, all those things matter. But there's a lot of focus that goes into yeah. like, figuring out, especially if there's like six, seven different cards that are being triggered, and you got to figure out what right. is going to happen. Right. Yeah. Man, that takes focus and yeah. math and yeah. all yeah. of it. Like, the, f- the focus and the understanding of how, how those things work, I don't know, really know how that transcends into real life, but I would imagine when you have, in the world we, we live in today where there's so many things coming at us, yeah, prioritizing and focusing on what's important, mm-hmm. those are important skills. So in, in, in math, and I've, and I've actually seen something kind of kind of wonderful when I go to big tournaments over the course of my years, I've traveled all over the country, and one of the th- cool things is I see a lot of people that have um, between autism and different ADD, different uh, different uh, things that they are challenged with. Right, mental yeah. challenges, mental disorders, right. whatever you want to Wh- call it. When I see them playing magic, it's such a wonderful thing because their minds, you- you'll see them focusing. So they'll be like jittery and uncomfortable and awkward yeah. outside, and they sit down to play magic, They've got their dice organized in a certain way. They've got their cards in certain piles. And you can see this calm come over them where they understand the game and they enjoy It's like it, magic fo- keeps your mind focused on the things that are important. And, yes. it, and I've seen it help people. I've seen people that look like they're struggling socially. Also, the social aspect of real-life magic, and, and I think there's magic transcends a digital format because there's so much more it offers. But the face-to-face format, when I was younger and uncomfortable, going to a shop, sitting down in front of a human being and laying out cards, interacting with them, talking, yeah, um, it takes people out of their shell. It forces them into a situation where they're one-on-one. The language is the same. The language of magic is the same. There's a connection between human beings, and I've seen really cool things happen there, with too, with people that are socially awkward suddenly they're connecting with a human and there's a there's a there's something special about that human interaction now online you don't have that exact thing but at the same time you sort of do there's emotes where you can communicate which is not really effective um, i always teach people because you don't know what the other person's doing on their side of the internet yeah you can't assume that they're their, right, their internet might just be slow. Yeah, their internet might be slow. They might not be... S- Same with, like, online poker. Right. You don't know what their situation is. So um, always just be open. Assume that it's uh, a little old lady who's doing her best on the other side. That's what I do. Because I don't ever want to think that it's some mean kid who's uh, eating Cheetos and yelling at his screen at me. I want to assume it's the nicest person in the world. That makes you better you know? than me. Because I... <laughs> I know what's more likely in those two scenarios. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, but I, I get what you're saying. So I just want to I just want to make sure that the the fact that it's a um, the other the other lesson to learn is to not take things personally or seriously. You know, you're, you're interacting with someone at a card shop. Chances are people aren't going to be mean to you. The internet is is a weird place to play ma- any game on. But right. at the same but time, what I applaud you for is you keep your community very nice. It's very family friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I get that, and I it, it's so understandable, and that it fits you. I mean, that's the truthfully, that's you. Yeah. And it it, it just it, it you you because of that, and because you've bred this honesty, and the, the this genuine, right? You're 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 very genuflect. It it it's literally created a community 
where people are not going to be buttholes. Well, that's kind of an amazing thing because if you go to the Reddit, there's a lot of toxicity, again, because people are passionate about the game. Right. So, so there's a lot of extreme uh, uh, opinions. So th- w- my angle regarding that sort of thing is that, that every, every opinion is valid in the sense that your particular um, desire in the game, what you want to get out of it, can be completely different than mine. And I'm not going to say that my version of Magic the Gathering is... Is it's just my personal right. enjoyment, but I I'm surprised there's a lot of people in my chat that'll comment how they get very angry or very emotionally because it's a competitive game, right? You right. you have to believe that your cards and your deck is better than your opponents. You get you believe in it. You're passionate about winning. You lose, it feels bad. It makes you feel like ah, oh, I'm so angry. You're angry because the card didn't come up that you needed. You're angry because you got too many land. You're right. angry because your opponent, you know, did the the right thing or whatever. So. Being able to, um, the, the amount of people that say that they are becoming better Magic players because they're learning to let go of their anger or they're they're learning to see the game in a different way. If I can bring a different perspective and it makes people enjoy the game more, then yeah. I'm doing what I'm, I, I'm doing. You have it. a very zen approach. It, it would, it's awesome. It's perfect. That's where I want to be. Um, so to go back to the, so that's where it is. The game transcends the... Uh, it transcends just one individual card game or a competitive moment. It it becomes your your ability to handle things in life, like tough news. Well, when you draw six land in a row, of course it doesn't it doesn't it, it makes you feel bad. It's not the same thing as hearing about you know your dog got sick and you need to take it to the vet. That's that's a real life thing that makes you feel bad. Right. But the ability to say, okay, well, what do I need to do? I need to take my dog to the vet, and I'm gonna, you know, make the best of it. That's, it's, it's a weird thing about life. We play games because we want to practice um, real things. Like the way I look at it, that's what that's what fantasy, that's what watching a TV show, that's what imagining something is, right? Yeah. You, you imagine it so that way, if it happens, if you watch a, a a drama of some, you know, let's say a family drama on TV. And you watch the interactions of of the of, of a of difficult divorce. What you're doing is you're projecting yourself into that moment, right? Because if it's something happens to you, you're you're going, okay, well, how did other human what beings? What would I do? In right? That, how yeah. did other human beings handle that? Same thing. I think why why like watching uh, combat sports. You you go, wow, what would happen if that happened to me? Well, how would I react? I, like it's all about putting yourself that, and that's why little puppies play. Yeah. They're not playing. They're trying to kill each other. And you go, oh, well, that's the cute. They're adorable and they're cute. They're actually f- using their teeth and their claws and their instincts and their speed because they're practicing what would happen if we were wild animals and I had to hunt you. So when your cats are playing with each other and you're laughing and you're thinking they're adorable, yeah. your cats are really fighting. But, yeah. they, but, they're, but they know what play is. They know they're not going to hurt each other. Right. But they are really trying to go for the throat, and they are, you know, like their their instincts they're are sparring very. They're sparring, right? Yeah. There's, and now they're not gonna. There's something in nature where they understand what real hunting is and real play is. Right. But the whole thing is play is practice killing, practice hunting. So when we play, they're they're fluffy Conor McGregor's. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when we play a game, what are we doing? We're we're playing a game because we're imagining ourselves in that situation. How would it work out? I think that gaming. That's the bigger picture of gaming, not just magic. Gaming is teaching us skills. 
Why do we need those skills? We're, we're honing our skills, our mental ability to focus, our mental ability right. to prioritize. And our, I think you touched on yeah. it too. It's it Because in a game you can't win every time and games are kind of designed that way, mm-hmm. because you can't win every time, it teaches you the idea of loss, which you're going to experience in life. There's right. ups and downs. There's right. always ups and downs. Right. In a game scenario, you're getting to experience the experience of loss yep. on a much higher frequency right. because you right. can because you know what i mean it could be months before i suffer some type of loss in right. life be it you know be yeah. it whatever life or financial or right. whatever like it, but in a game like you can play 10 hours of magic and lose you know yeah a yeah. hundred times and right. win a hundred two times you know right and so you're, you're getting that hit yeah. Right. Of life, and you're right. you're just getting desensitized to the last part of it. Right. Well, and yeah, and, and not necessarily desensitized, but but the the ability to coping skills are a big deal. Yeah. And and I think that's one of the th- things I find the most interesting, especially when I'm playing, the the amount of people that are that are invested in my wins or losses. Yeah. Sometimes astounds me. Sometimes I'll I'll lose a game, and someone is like. Oh, if you would have done that, you wouldn't have lost. And they're so emotionally fired up. They they are they take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why is it so important? Now, there's I think there's two things. There, it's important for them. They want to they want to, like, if they solved the puzzle before I did. Yeah. Um. Then they feel validated. They feel smart. They're like, hey, I figured it out. If you would have done what I said, you would have won. And I'll and I acknowledge that I like that I actually it, there's a thing called backseat gaming right where yeah. someone's telling you what to do how many people do that armchair quarterbacks right you yeah. you know you, there's so many people that are yelling at their TVs because why did why would that guy run that play well who, you know apparently you know the coaching staff and and their skills of course yeah You're right every everybody has the, a better game plan than the coach and the person actually making all the money right with that job especially when you're losing <laughs> right when your team's losing you become <laughs> the best coach of all time right somehow. I w- if they would have done what i said yeah you know right so that happens in, as a streamer too and i think it's cool though now the reason i think it's cool is because sometimes it's they're right sometimes they're wrong either way they're interacting either way if someone else in the chat sees yeah. them so if you're in the if you're in you know, and and I think that's cool. I think that it brings a different aspect. If if imagine us watching football together, everyone's in there in, in across America is watching the game. Yeah. But there is a way to throw in like comment. You know, of course it would be a, a wacky, crazy thing. But imagine watching, and th- and I think right. that's where, t- where Twitch is going. Twitch is going to be a channel. They're doing so much IRL stuff and game. Like it's a way of having a a entertainment platform mm-hmm. and then a sidebar of chat now whether or not that becomes like there are plenty of um it's an interesting thing right because there's the toxicity that we have moderators that deal with people that are just out there spouting garbage right um how do you moderate accordingly i i'm very i always want discussion in my chat and i and i always say i don't want to dictate the I don't want to dictate anyone's opinion because opinions are are fair and I think they should be heard. But of course, with that being said, when I'm open to discussion, the moment that I try to engage in someone's, uh, let's say they have a criticism, yeah, I will. I want to know why and how we could solve it. And if is there a way to if if you don't like the way land works 
in Magic. Right, you're open to discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm not a game designer, so I, I'll recognize the things that are that are flawed in the element, or maybe something doesn't feel right. We'll just have a discussion. We'll be open about it, and then we'll our opinions are are there. They're done. Like so, I always want to be um, like I'm not trying to be. Uh, I, I'm trying to leave the fact that magic has an appeal to a lot of different type of people. Just like just like if you're watching a football game, you have certain people that like certain types of defensive you know setups. You like certain yeah. you know you like teams that do things a certain way. I don't want my team to take risks. I want my team to be very you know. I want my team to go for the. I want my team to go for the field goal. I don't want them to go right. for it from fourth and inches. Right, and so you have right. a different um, you have your different perspective of what you think is a well played football game, and you'll find a team. That plays like that, and then you'll like them, and like then that, you'll like yeah. that. So the teams, right? The teams are going to play the way the teams are going to play. Right. All you can do as the team is just play the way that you're going to play. Right. And let the people find you. Right. And so let's say another another uh, coach head coach comes in because yeah. the other one was fired. He didn't win enough, and then your team becomes after the, you know, your team becomes a different structured team. You have different key players. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the lo- is the loyalty to the team because it's your city. Or is the loyalty to to the coach and the player style? You know, it's a really weird thing where, where when you come to fans. So when I play, when it's really the same thing, right? Though. But you're the whole team, right? So you're not gonna ever get a new coach. There's not gonna right. <laughs> like I play a certain way. Yeah, I'm not gonna. But it's right. interesting though because people will say, "Oh, play this color," and I'll be like, "I'm not good at that." Or let's say drafting or limited. There's different formats of Magic: the Gathering. Yeah. And there's some formats that I don't enjoy playing personally. Okay. So I go. So my chat's like, "Oh, why don't you do it?" Because they like it. Right. So they want to see me play that p- format. Right. And I sometimes have to go, hmm, am I going to do what they're asking even though I don't enjoy it? So am I going to change my coaching style because the fans are like, you know. We oh. really want this. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Go, go for it on fourth down. And I'm like, I'm a conservative coach. I'm, That's the interesting part of Twitch. Right. Right. The interaction of the of the fans and what they expect is not like. A coach who's like, hold on, you know the headset they wear? Yeah. Let's connect to the fans out there. In the, what do you think I should right. do? <laughs> let's look like at millionaire and shit. <laughs> right. They're just like, let me phone a friend. Right. Let me let, let me just take it to the audience. Yeah, you got in forty two C. This guy's like looking I, around. What's the next play? I guarantee <laughs> that if they did an audience vote, <laughs> right, on like one play of football. Like on each game, the yeah. coach could do an audience vote of what they want. That's pretty cool. That would be that would, I I if they did it as an experiment, man, I bet football ratings would skyrocket. What, like what if that like, they had like a play like twenty plays? Yeah, and you could just beep boop boop. Right, that play because I can't scream at the TV enough when the football right. <laughs> is right. going right. on, right. and then have them change it up. But that's the whole appeal of Twitch. Right, right. That's the whole appeal. Maybe Bill Belichick needs to be like, so. What play should we do now? <laughs> and like, look at the TV and pause for five seconds, right? And <laughs> just let us feel like we have control, <laughs> like Blues Clues football. The Blues Clues football. That would be awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much, dude. I feel like we learned a lot about Twitch, a lot about Magic: The Gathering, and a lot about life, which uh, you know, I'm always down for. That's uh, I, I definitely have a lot to think about now. So yeah. and I'm, I'm glad to have you as a friend and as a guest. Is there anything else you'd like to say in the closing statement? Anything you'd like people to know? Uh, I just I just love the game of Magic, and even if you're not interested in the the specifics of the card game, if you want to come by and say hello, that would be cool. The card game, uh, the online version, Magic: The Gathering Arena, is 
is right now open beta. Even though it's a beta product, you can get in there, get a free code, uh, a free. They give you. Uh, it's a free to play game. It's there, free. No Completely free. Yep. Zero dollars, and you. It it could change your life and make you a better reader <laughs> right. and a better human being. Um, Absolutely. Where can people find you? All of the places. Let them. Let, let them know right now. Um, on Twitter, I'm Keith Adams VO, and Twitch, it's Adamant MTG. Uh, so just like it sounds, Adam Ant MTG. Yeah, and, and uh, not like Adam Ant the superhero, like a- yeah, A D A M A D A M, like the name Adam and then Ant. Yep. A D A M N T G, and then the uh, and that's it. It's come by and check me out. And say hello. Hit him up on Twitter, or more importantly, go check out his Twitch channel. I one hundred percent like back it. If you want to learn about it, if you want a friendly guy speaking in your ear and somebody who's not going to be screaming in your face, <laughs> um, which is a departure from what you usually get with my podcast, then please go check out uh, Adam Ant MTG on Twitch. That is, uh, honestly, I, I think you're you're in your groove, in your niche, right right where you're just, dude, your sweet spot. There, there's a sorry, for example, one more thing. Yes, so I'm please. going to TwitchCon 18. Yeah. In San Jose at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. The the booth it was announced that the booth of Magic the Gathering Arena and the Dungeons and Dragons booth are side by side. They're, yeah. They're sharing a booth actually. So I will be there, learning more about their D and D projects, what they're moving forward on, um, MTG Arena announcements. I've been sponsored by Wizards of the Coast the last two streamer events they've had. So I've participated in these amazing. Um, uh, promotional events. Yeah. So find me uh, there at TwitchCon as well. I'll be broadcasting. They have a special streamer set up, a streamer area set up. So yeah. I'll be able to stream from there, from the con. Oh, cool. So I'll be uh, doing my thing, playing some magic games and kind of teaching people what I do and having a lot more exposure. I'm excited about it. Even more kick-ass, dude. Well, very cool. Please check him out. Uh, this has been... Wacky Wednesdays, Brunt Mukai podcast. Subscribe. I don't know. I don't know what my call to what's my call to action. Subscribe. That's it. Bye. Uh, I will. <laughs> Bye everybody. <laughs>